Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars this week on inside supercars we go back to march 2009 ahead of the clips of 500 of that year Richard Crowell and Tony Shebecki discuss the kickoff of another season whilst Will Davison was looking ahead to his new life at HRT Hard to believe that since 2009 he has driven for Ford, Erebus and now is making his move to Techno Autosports in 2016. Davison is confident. Grizzly Ford blokes out the back having a bit of a cry at me but that's all part of the fun. To, to, to challenge Winkup and Winterbottom there's only really one team you've got to be in and that's right where I am. Todd Kelly's not afraid of being a team owner. Yeah, it's a big job, but uh, can't wait to get to Adelaide. I hope you enjoy the show from the vault as we kick off this reflection on Inside Supercars with the 2009 pre-Clipsal news headlines. The new HRT team cannot wait for the start of the V8 supercar season. Will Davison is still working out what all the knobs and buttons do in his VE Commodore. You've got to say, for instance, turn, turn something the complete opposite direction and the numbers I'm used to, instead of one being soft and nine being stiff, one stiff and nine soft, and everything's just a bit backwards. So actually doing that in a race conditions without losing any lap time, and it's a different system as well. We'll have more from Davo in this week's White Flag Lap. While in Adelaide today, Garth Tander and Will Davison of HRT, Paul Dumbrell at Team Autobahn, David Reynolds at Bundaberg Red Racing, as well as crew people Lucas Stocking and Sarah Wilson have donated blood to the Red Cross. Walkinshaw performance literally bleeding for a win at this year's Clipsal. Super Cheap Auto Racing has coined themselves Team Adelaide this week as both their team drivers, Russell Ingle and main game rookie Tim Slade, hail from the City of Churches. And they're looking for a strong start to Season 2009. This week's Bargs is back after a season out of the main game. He cannot wait for his first laps in anger. Bargwana is confident that Sprint Gas Racing has found the right recipe for a successful season. Bargs has also said that the Clipsal event is getting better and better, and with the new pick complex and the covering of the grandstands this season, it's just one of the reasons, or just some of the reasons, why this event is getting bigger and bigger every year. The Super GP has hit the ground running this week with the organisation announcing that they have secured a naming rights sponsor, Nitro Energy Drinks. The Australian brand is hoping that the new look event is the perfect platform to launch its latest marketing campaign. Cameron McConville says that third place at last year's Clipsal 500 will be a race he'll always remember. Team BOC is hoping that their new drivers can get themselves on the podium again with Jason Richards looking forward to getting his chance in Walkinshaw performance equipment prepared by Brad Jones Racing. Bonus is, uh, you know, working with Wally again, 
uh, my engineer, and uh, he was with me at Tasman for four years, and and uh, try some of that WP Walkinshaw performance, uh, you know, equipment, and you know, obviously it's it's been the benchmark holding the gear, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm certainly enjoying being part of that greater family. Ford Performance Racing believes their racing strategy will help them negotiate all the new rules, fuels, and other obstacles that are being placed on all the teams at the start of this season. FBR has been the king of the bad decision. It'll be interesting to see how they go when they have to make more of them. Over at Kelly Racing, Todd Kelly says it'll be interesting racing with his brother as a teammate for all of 2009. For the very first time in our careers, um, we're actually in the same team, so that's going to be interesting, but uh, so far we're getting along fairly well. Rick Kelly, the 2007 Clipsal winner, says it's the most excited he's ever been in the lead-up to a Clipsal event. To, to get all the work done, get the cars there and have the team in the condition that it's in, which is, you know, fantastic, is, um, is a good achievement and something that um, we're all proud of and very excited about. The toddler says that it'll be more important for Jack Daniels Racing to survive the 500 as they need to continue to learn the new cars and more about how the Kelly Racing team will work together. We haven't had the cars on good tyres in a, in a racing environment and we don't really know what to expect from them. So it's going to be a huge learning curve for us at Clipsal and uh, the biggest thing is just to try and survive the weekend and come out with some points. Jack Perkins makes his return to full-time V8 supercar competition and he thinks it's been a fantastic effort for Kelly Racing to get him back on the track. Pretty grateful for the opportunity that Kelly's have given me and uh, really just want to get out there and, and go racing. Can't wait. We've had a pretty big off-season setting up the team and uh, the guys have done a, a, a super job getting everything done and to have four cars ready in two months, all the trucks and everything done, it's been a, it's been a great team effort. Dale Wood says he is surprisingly calm and relaxed heading into this weekend's event. Forward to getting a part of it, you know, first round, being at the uh, Premier Motorsport category in Australia, um, absolutely, you know, over the moon to be with Cali Racing. Um, your goals are low, and uh, I just want to enjoy it, come out of the weekend and uh, just keep building on experience. And finally, mark down the 26th of April as David Besnard is planning a real deal disaster appeal to launch his new fan experience at the Queensland Raceway. Stay tuned to the V8 Insiders for more details of the event. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Tony Shebecki and Richard Crowell join me. And later on this week's White Flag Lap, Will Davison tells us about his first drive in the HRT Commodore. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Back joining us this week on the show for the first time in 2009. Nine, getting ready for a big season on the grid is SEN's Tony Shebecki. Good evening, Tony. 
Good evening, Craig. Looking forward to many more uh, V8 Insiders throughout the year. Well, we certainly hope so. And uh, also from Speed Week, it is Richard Crail. Welcome back, Richard. Gentlemen, I hope you both very well. Looking forward to another big season of the V8 Supercars in 09. It is going to be a big one. It's in your hometown, Richard, and it's probably fitting to say that, uh, first of all, when we look at some of the track changes going on, one that affects us the most, of course, is the fact that uh, there will be a new media centre to enjoy this year. Yes, and as you two gents both know, we media like to be looked after in the way we like to become accustomed when we go to a racetrack, and um, some circuits do it particularly well, some don't, let's be honest. But uh, this year, a, a brand new pit building complex for the Clipsal 500. It's probably the biggest change that the circuit itself has actually had since it was first constructed in 1985 for the Grand Prix. So it's a huge change. It's this massive, great, big German-engineered structure. It was designed and built over there, and because it's demountable, it was torn down, shipped across, re-erected up in Victoria Park, and it is absolutely fantastic. The media centre is huge. Uh, looking out over the pit straight and the uh, the 30,000 grandstand seats, which are all covered this year, by the way, uh, structure and, and this event just... Even from a South Australian perspective, who's seen it every year it's been there, just keeps getting bigger and bigger and, and noticeably so. You, you rock up to the track and you go, wow, that's different and somehow or another even more impressive. I guess, Tony, the big thing about this race is that it is growing every year. We see this year at the Melbourne Grand Prix, which is uh, what you're very close to, it is actually decreasing its grandstand seating. Yeah, and look, uh, and I think that's uh, unfortunate for the Grand Prix, but it does come up against a bit of uh, heavy opposition this year in regards to coming up against the first round of the AFL season here in Melbourne where we've got four games at the MCG and two games at Telstra Dome. And as we know, people are just finding the pinch a little bit uh, tough on the back pocket, so there's only so much money to go around. The uh, Grand Prix organisation is still saying here, though, that they're going to get some uh, great numbers, so let's wait and see what happens next week. But there's no doubt that Cripsal, it's... I'm nearly going to go as far as say that it probably is the biggest event on the VA calendar this year. I'm sure, Richard, you'll probably back me up. But yeah. uh, in regards to numbers and entertainment and just everything that you get on and off the track, I don't think there is any better than Clipsal. No, I don't think there is. And uh, Last year I did the Grand Prix and I did Indy as well on the Gold Coast, and they're both fantastic events in their own way. But um, I think because Albert Park's so spread out and so open, especially in the middle, you don't quite get that pumping atmosphere. Yes. And Indy's almost sort of the opposite. It's all sort of very confined and hard to get around, and it's almost a bit overbearing at, at times. I think Adelaide's got the great mix of the parklands, but everything's pretty close at hand. You can walk, you know, from one side of the racetrack to the other in, in five or ten minutes. And, yeah, just the atmosphere is, is phenomenal, and the event, there's always something happening whether it's on track or not generally there's something happening on both at, at the one time and you know they've, they've got seven racing categories there this weekend and which is the same as last year it was supposed to be eight they were going to have eight different series racing but uh, obviously Carrera Cup unfortunately died but there's always something happening and, and it is just a remarkably big event and and yeah I, I uh, there is some bias in it, I think it's fair to say, especially as a South Australian, but um, uh, it is probably one of the biggest events in the country as far as motor racing goes. Well, People always ask me to compare the events that we go to around Australia for V8 supercars, and I always explain Bathurst as being like a religious experience for most people. It's yeah. like, like going to Mecca. It's that trek that just pure, absolute pure V8 rev heads or, or motorsport enthusiasts alone go to Bathurst. 
Gold Coast is just a massive party where probably 90% of the people wouldn't even know what a car looked like. They yeah, just go there for, the actual, for the atmosphere. But Adelaide seems to be a, a great conglomeration of both. You get some real purists who love going there, and you also get the party atmosphere, and that's why I think it's probably the best event, because you get... You literally do get the best of both worlds. And I agree, and, and I think because the racetrack itself has got such a history, you know, it's, it's over 20 years old now, and there's been so much that's happened, not just in Formula 1, but in touring cars, which have been there since the very first year of, of the Grand Prix in 85. There is that sort of Bathurst-style, not quite as long, but Bathurst-style tradition. Yeah. And, you know, drivers, all of them, without fail, will say in an interview that, that starting the year with a win at Clipsal just could not be better and it is now one of the toughest events to win, and we've all seen the dramas in the past with people being dragged from cars, dehydrated, etc., etc. But um, it's one of the toughest events to win, and now I think it's getting prestige as it's probably the second most prestigious event in the calendar to win after the big one at Bathurst. Mm, it certainly is one of the great events. Now, a couple of other, other changes. You mentioned about the grandstands, which is going to be a fantastic innovation because it does get so hot, but the big one for the drivers... The changes to Turn 8, Richard, which uh, were, of course, uh, not the original Turn 8 of the Eclipsal 500. They put in the wall and the, the NASCAR-style corner only a few years ago. But uh, following the uh, untimely death of Ashley Cooper, they have seeked to make some changes there. Yeah, they've reprofiled the corner to, to make entry and exit speed slower to make any potential impacts on the exit of that corner less severe. Um, there was some discussion and, and perhaps some surprise as to why they didn't go down the route of the safer barrier, which they use in the States on the ovals, which is a sort of a layer probably a foot out from the concrete wall of a high-impact resistant foam and, and steel solution that takes some of that impact and absorbs the impact when you hit the wall. There was perhaps some surprise why they didn't go down that route, but... Um, this is what CAMS and the FIA in their, their audits they did on the racetrack and they do every year to make sure it maintains its very high standard. Um, they suggested that they reprofile the corner and reshape it slightly to, to reduce speed and, and they hope that that's certainly going to have the, um, the right kind of effect. And I guess they're pretty lucky because that, um, that corner is structured across basically six lanes of road. So they've got plenty of room to play around with concrete barriers and move grandstands and things to, um, to reshape the corner. So it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the lap times and um, how it affects the flow of the race. And, you know, cars coming onto that back straight, Brabham straight slower, might sort of introduce a little bit more overtaking down into the hairpin at Turn 9. So it, it might have more than just the effect of slowing cars down. Okay. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what they do to that corner, as long as we don't have a repeat of what happened last year. Yeah, for uh, sure. That, that's the main thing. I guess that's my next question. We're one year on. And what do you think it has meant for the sport? Uh, of course, Ashley Cooper, the second Fujitsu driver to be killed in two years and a tragic way, of course, to start the season last year. Where do you think V8 supercars are now because of those tragedies? I think it would be silly if we thought for any minute that the driver's haven't had their eyes opened over the last couple of years in regards to a couple of incidents that have happened. And we've had you know, the, those couple of deaths, but we've also had a couple of very, very close calls at all, uh, as well on Paul Radisich last year. I mean, how, yeah. how you know, devastating could that have been? So I think the drivers themselves have probably had their eyes wide open. And just a reality check, I suppose, to the extent where they, 
they now go out on the track and they've always been cautious and they've always been safe but you know you just know that you've just got to take that little bit of extra care otherwise uh, you know we've seen what's happened in the last couple of years and I'm sure no driver and, and no spectator nobody wants anything like that to happen again in the sport so hopefully if one thing has come out of it it's the fact that the drivers are just a little bit more cautious in the way they attack things. Mm. Well, we yeah, do. And, and you don't want to find a reason to justify why things like this happen because it is a tragedy and it is just so unbelievably sad. And I remember the sort of when the news broke that he died, just it, it rippled through the track and, and, and everyone there sort of felt this amazing sorrow, and, and as you would, because we're all so intimately involved with the sport. But I, we need to look at the fact that both of those crashes and, and Mark Porter and, and um, Ashley Cooper's crashes were kind of strange accidents and... and it was probably super unfortunate that they were in that position to be killed in the first place. So you never, I don't think, as long as you've got cars running around a racetrack at more than 200 k's an hour, you're never going to rule out that very slight variable that something that's never happened before mm. is going to happen. Um, all you can do is make these cars as safe as you possibly can and make the tracks as safe as you can, and, and that's just going to reduce that variable even smaller. So... I think they've done that with the changes to the corner and they continue to upgrade the cars and you know push drivers more towards the middle of the cars and, and change the way they drive and things like that. So, yeah, look, I think they've done what they can so far, but it, it's always going to be a, an evolving process to make these things safer. Mm. Now, guys, uh, it is interesting. We have seen this year that the cars, the driver's position in the car has been moved further inside and they've got a bit more cushioning around that roll cage on the driver's side and they're all uh all measures just to try and protect the drivers and put them into a much safer cell as it were for the 2009 season and uh, i think everyone at v8 supercars is is you know completely conscious and and really does want to make sure that uh the chances of this happening again are uh, much more reduced I, I, if I can, if I can jump in, Craig, um, a huge um, sort of well done to the motorsport community. I guess so I believe have really embraced it. Ashley Cooper's sister has organised a campaign for um, as many people at the Clipsal 500 as possible to be wearing a black armband that they can purchase, and the funds go towards the Ashley Cooper Foundation, um, which is, is involved in uh, organ transplants and things like that. And there were several people saved; lives were saved using Ashley's organs because he was an organ donor after the uh, the crash last year. So you know, I, I think it's a great, great thing for the motorsport community that they've been able to put something back and support this great initiative that the Cooper family's um, uh, been able to put in. So, you know, this legacy that Ashley's got sort of gets bigger and bigger by this um, fantastic cause. So I just thought that that was worth, uh, worth pointing out. Uh, a good point. And we need to take a break here on the VAD Insiders. We'll be back to actually preview the racetrack action in just a few moments. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as VAT Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. 
Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. SEN's Tony Shebecki and Speed Week's Richard Crail. Join me, Craig Revelle, and guys, the Clipsal 500, it is a crapshoot, two races, and some very, very interesting rule changes. I know, Richard, you've spoken about them before, but we're going to see qualifying with a shootout this year, and then where they start on Saturday, they're starting on Sunday. Tony, it is such a number of variables with the petrol, with the with the uh, shootout. It is going to be fascinating to see who can react the quickest, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is, Craig. And, and that's why I love Clipsal. We were talking about it earlier in regards to the race it is. But being the, the track that it is brings up so many interesting variables for the start of the season. It's exactly the same as having... Uh, Melbourne for the Australian Grand Prix and the Formula One. The fact that you're going onto a street track, which makes life so much more different to working on a circuit, and just what can come about. We've had so many changes come throughout the year. Really, nobody knows how the uh, the new ethanol mix is going to work in the cars for the duration of a race. I mean, I'm sure they've done all the testing and they've been out there, but in a real race life situation, nobody really knows how that's going to react. Uh, we've got so many different things happening this year that. Clipsal could end up just being a massive race of attrition in the end, and uh, whoever's got the formula right will take the chequered flag. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this new qualifying system as well with the top 10 shootout, but not just that, where you finish uh, or where you qualify is where you start both races. I don't actually think that's going to have a huge effect at Clipsal because how many times in the past have we seen guys like Mark Scaife and Craig Lowndes start from the very back of the field and work their way forward. So if you have a bad qualifying eclipse, this is probably one of the best events on the calendar before you get to Phillip Island and Bathurst, where qualifying isn't quite as important as having good race pace and good strategies. So if you qualify badly, if you're, you're Gartander and you go haywire in qualifying and you start 23rd, you won't be so concerned of that happening at this place as you would at Winton or, uh, mm. or Hamilton or something like that, because you can pass... And there is often, as you mentioned, Tony, so much attrition at this place that you can work your way forward and you can win from the back of the grid. I, I like it from the fact that if something happens to you that isn't your fault, if you get a shunt or something during race one, at least you've got the opportunity to redeem yourself in race two. Nothing worse than you get knocked off the track, nothing to do with you, and you're starting from position 27 in race two. Uh, it's just unfair. So I do like it from that re- regard. Mm. Now, Jamie Wincup was the winner last year. We have the two races, and I'm going to get the tips later from you, but uh, it, it was Jamie Wincup winning Clipsal and Jamie Wincup winning the championship. It's a awesome combination they're going to come back with this year, isn't it, guys? Well, yeah. Is, go, go on, Tony, go. I, I, look, I was just going to say, guys, that the, the big thing that came out of testing last week, as you'd both know, is that Triple Eight had a disaster on the Wednesday. Everything they tried just didn't go right for them. They've come out and had a private day on the Thursday. It's one of the, the few testing days that they have for the season to try and get things right for this one race for Adelaide. They've got the new FG. We won't call it the Ford FG with Triple Eight because they have no Ford branding at all unless Ford has actually changed their uh, logo to a pink pig. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look, Triple Eight are, are going to... They're going to be a surprise packet this year. They're either going to blast everyone away as they have in the past or they are going to have an absolute shocker. I don't think there's going to be any in between for uh, the boys at Vodafone. 
Richard? Yeah, I just can't see them struggling. I really can't. And, and bad testing or not, they're just such a great team and they've been so good for the last two or three seasons. Now, arguably one of the fastest and most consistent teams over that sort of period. I just can't see them going wrong after the year that they've had. This may be the year they stumble. I, I don't know. But, you know, I, I really just sort of don't, can't see them struggling. I really can't. And my my thing I want to look at in that team is which one of the drivers is going to come out on top this year because I'm not too sure I'd, if I was Craig Lowndes and I'd won three championships and was one of the most successful drivers in the history of the sport, I'd like my young upstart teammate coming through and... Um, and winning the championship instead of me. So I think you'll see a really fired up Craig Lance this year, and, and I'm I'm really excited to see what CL can do. Well, and one thing Lance you won't like is a bit of finger pointing where people are saying, hey, mate, you're the number two driver now in this team. Yeah, yeah, that won't go down that, well, will it? No, if he hears any of that, he will fire up. Big That'll be great for the sport if we've got a fired up Craig Lance at the front of the field because, um, you know, he's the most popular driver out there now, and, um, you know, it's only going to do good things for the sport if, if Craig's winning again. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Now, guys, we have a new segment in the new format of the V8 Insiders, and it's Gas and Go. So we've got three minutes on the clock, and you have five questions to get through. And I'll start with Tony Shebeki. Which rule change will make the biggest difference in the racing this season? For me, there's no doubt it's the format change uh, through the sprint races. I think that's just going to make for such tighter racing. So many times we got to a Sunday after seeing what had happened on the Saturday and so many people would just sit there and think, oh, yeah, well, we know he's going to win, we know he's going to win, and he didn't see any changes. Yeah, shortening the format, making it more exciting that way, I think is probably the biggest rule change for me that's going to have a benefit on the sport. Uh, and only because it hasn't been said tonight, but the fuel, really interesting to see how E85 is going to go. Fuel consumption will go up. Um, you know, strategy is going to play a bigger role. We might see cars running out of fuel before they manage to get to pit lane if they call it wrong. I think that's going to play a really interesting role, especially in the first few rounds. We talked about this a little bit. What combination will be the standout at Clipsal? Will it be Ford, Holden or the Hog? Yeah, uh, look, I'm, I'm probably tipping it's going to be Ford for me. I think the boys at FPR have really worked hard on this uh, new FG package. They had a little bit of an issue before testing in the shakedown with Richo with his oil uh, problems, but they sorted that out at Winton. They looked really good at Winton, boys, and uh, I think they're probably going to be the, the mob to beat. Couldn't agree with you more, but uh, I'm going to say car number 22, Will Davison. Watch this guy in a HRT Commodore. He is going yep. to be electrifying this year. Yep, true. Scaife is uh, going to have his first full-time TV run this weekend at Clipsal. And then, of course, there's the question, will he be Bathurst-bound? And who will he be driving for? First of all, Richard. Um, I think his co-driver will be uh, Neil Crompton and Matthew White, and he'll remain in the commentary box. Yeah, look, Scaife is going to be fantastic in the commentary box. We've heard him before. 
He's articulate. He's passionate. Knows the sport. Uh, wouldn't that be amazing if the two Channel Seven commentators actually have to drive on the Sunday? That's How much fun would that be? <laughs> Guys, which startup team do you think will be straight onto the pace? Eclipsal. There is a number, and uh, I guess when you look at Bundy Red and a few of those other teams, they are going into established stables, but still brand new teams by the letter of the law. You go for this one, Richard. This one's too damn hard to answer. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, the, the logic would suggest that Kelly Racing is going to be right there. Um, engineering now says Larry Perkins, great drivers in Todd and um, and Rick and, and some youth in Jack and, and Dale Wood. Uh, I think you'll see car 7 and, and, and 15, that's Todd and Rick, right up towards the front of the field by the end of Sunday. You stole my answer. I was totally going to say that, and uh, I agree with you 100%. Don't give much chance to uh, Marcus Marshall's new team there. Not yet, no. Do we class uh, Team Kiwi as a new team now they've gone back to Paul Morris? There's a lot of questions to be answered just in that one alone. Who will win the 2009 Clipsal 500? Richard Crayhill. Uh, Garth Panda. Yep, I gave my answer before. Jamie Wink. Oh, Jamie Winkup. Mark Winterbottom for me. Mark Winterbottom. Well, I'm thinking it might be a real surprise, and I'm looking at a winner coming from the Jim Beam stable. And no, not Pretty Boy, Junior Johnson to take the win. It's yeah, going to be... Well, there, doesn't he? Yeah. I put money on that, Craig. You could, you could do well out of this. Well, I haven't I'll checked... I'll give you 50 to run right now. I'll buy that for a dollar, <laughs> as uh, the famous line from Robocop. Guys, it has been a pleasure to catch up with you once again. Speed Week's on this week. What have you got for us, Richard? Uh, that's a really good question, Craig. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but uh, the Shannon's National stuff on Speed Week uh, with F3 and a heap of other great categories starts really soon in April, so uh, we're really looking forward to that, and that's when things really start winding up. So it's going to be a, a big year as always. Well, SEN will be covering all the motorsport, not just the V8 supercars with On The Grid, Tony, and, uh, of course, people who aren't in Melbourne will be able to catch the action online through SEN.com.au. Exactly. We've spoken to 20 drivers over the last two weeks about their chances heading up into Clipsal. This week we'll be focusing on who did what on Saturday. We'll be speaking to the top three from Saturday's racing. So uh, tune in 7 till 9 every Sunday morning on uh, www.sen.com.au or 11.16 in Melbourne. Thanks very much to Tony and Richard. Our white flag lap is up next and it's none other than the new boy at HR team, Will Davison. I hope you stay with us for that. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. This week's Y Flag Lap, we catch up with Will Davison, who made the switch to HRT in the off season. We caught up with him at Winton at his first day in the new office. Yeah, no, really good. Had a had a very very productive day. Um, very very different, naturally. The car, I mean, um, you know, some respect, you know, these cars are quite similar with the the, the regulations, but. 
it's just amazing uh, how many little things are done differently and uh, you get so used to a, a certain way and you jump, yeah, jump into um, another team and it's just, yeah, amazing. It takes a little bit of time to get your head around it. Um, you know, everything just feels different, you know. Everything, um, everything works in a different way with you, whether it's the way you sit, your pedals, your steering, the steering ratio, the the way you push the throttle, brake, clutch, the way the thing changes gears. They're all little things, but when you're so used to a certain way, um, it feels really bizarre at first. But, um, no, it was good. We just chipped away and just got better and better as the day went on. Um, I had to, certainly had to adjust my driving style um, to suit the car a little bit. But uh, in the second half of the day, um, really started to, uh, to sort of get the hang of it and really started to feel the, the potential in the car. Like, um, unless you drive the car correctly... You can't get the most out of it, but you know, once I started adapting my style a little bit, um, yeah, the car felt felt really, really good. Like I still got a little bit to go. Like still got to get my head around it a bit, but um, I can really feel the, the potential in the car, and it's pretty exciting. Now, one more test day tomorrow. Mm. What are you going to be working on? I know that uh, speaking to Steve Owen, you both were having a little bit of understeer. Yeah, I mean, it's just a very different car, and its strengths are in very, very different areas. So it's always a bit, nature of this business is always a bit of catch twenty two. You try and find one area of the car, and you've got to sacrifice another. So this is just this car's got strengths in certain areas, um, and it's different in the, the middle of the corner. Is probably not quite as strong, but man, it's got some serious strengths in other areas. And you've just got to, as I said, yeah, just get your head around the car a bit. And we're sort of trying to meet in the middle a little bit. Like I'm trying to change my driving style, um, but they're also willing to try and you know, try and meet meet in the middle with the setup, so to speak, and we've been just playing away all day, just different things, just to give me a bit of a feel for what all the changes do, because it certainly doesn't translate like something I'm used to in the past. Certainly doesn't translate to here, you know. So we're just going through a range of adjustments just to try and give me a feel for what it feels like, and um, and we ran some good tyres at the end, ended up second or third. So um, yeah, that, that was relatively encouraging. Um, still got a lot more left, in, you know, just in it because I was still certainly. I'm um, not 100% up to speed, but yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Mm. Glad you're here. Hasn't uh, you haven't got to the end of the limit yet? No, no, no. Certainly not. I mean, these guys have proved in the past how fast their cars are. Um, it's just so critical to get the car in the sweet spot, and that all comes down to how well you work with your engineer. And when it's such a new, new, uh, new team and a new group of people and a new car, it's yeah, it's difficult to find the sweet spot because you're not sure what you need out of the car, and like. You know, all the cars are good out there now, so um, if you're either side of the sweet spot, you can be, you know, we're on the timesheets. So, um, but certainly, yeah, no, car feels really good. Um, we didn't probably, I probably didn't quite get the most out of it, and we probably didn't quite get the setup right for our run at the end of the day. Um, but I mean, we've got all tomorrow um, really to keep working through things. Tomorrow we'll do a bit more of um, some race runs, do a bit more of simulating the race, you know, adjusting the roll bars, and because the roll bar systems, again, Complete opposite to what I'm used to. Ops, you know, you got to, you know, the system's different. Basically, if uh, you got to say, for instance, turn turn something the complete opposite direction, and the numbers I'm used to, instead of one being soft and nine being stiff, one stiff and nine soft, and everything's just a bit backwards. So actually, doing that in a race conditions without losing any lap time, and it's a different system as well. Um, we'll go through a lot of that stuff tomorrow, and just just getting used to where all the dials and switches are, and and uh, just, yeah, just keep working away. Will you be doing any fuel testing and fuel stop um, fuel stop replications? Um, we will be doing a lot of pit stop stuff. 
Uh, I'm not sure whether we're doing fuel ups, but we'll certainly be. Yeah, maybe we will be. I'm not sure on that one, but um, we yeah, absolutely be simulating all all types of pit stops. Um, and yeah, that's for the for the guys who've been working hard on it. But um, and the fuel stuff, I think, is quite controlled with the rig now anyway. Um, for for everyone up and down pit lane, it's the same rig. But um, you know, just getting getting it on and off, practicing getaways from the pit box because this the whole throttle responsiveness and clutch pickup points different. The the uh, new ECU this year, we got the different fuel, which means the throttle throttle certainly different getting away from the pits. So we practiced a bit of that today, and, and we'll just um, keep working on that tomorrow. Tomorrow, you know, it's obviously be a much quieter day, so a bit less pressure than today. You know, it was nearly a race meeting here today for the first day in the car, so there's plenty of eyes here watching, so it was, yeah, you just had to try and stay focused. But I think we did a good job of that. And plenty of fan response already from you being in the uh, HRT uniform. Yeah, yeah, no, all the Holden people are pretty happy, so that's that's a nice feeling. A few grizzly four blokes out the back having a bit of a cry at me, but that's all part of the fun. You know, at the end of the day, they've got, uh, yeah, they've got, they got their men in blue, and uh, this is, you know, this is my big opportunity to, you know, step into this team, um, you know, and to, to to challenge Wink Up and Winterbottom. There's only really one team you got to be in, and that's right where I am. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we wish you all the best for Adelaide. It's very soon now. Thanks. Cheers. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. I hope you enjoy the Bathurst 12-hour this weekend. It'll be interesting to see what it's like under V8 Supercar management and perhaps a precursor of what V8 Supercars could be in the future. It'll be interesting times ahead. That's all we have for you this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.